Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. According to the National Kidney Foundation, eating plant-based foods, such as vegetables and grains, in place of animal-based foods, such as red meat, may help prevent and treat lifestyle diseases like chronic kidney disease. Dr. Shivam Joshi is here to speak with us about that today. Dr. Joshi is a clinical assistant professor of medicine at NYU School of Medicine and a primary care doctor, nephrologist, and lifestyle medicine attending at Bellevue Hospital in New York City. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Joshi. What led you and your colleagues to study the benefits of plant-based diets and kidney disease? I've always been personally a vegetarian or semi-vegetarian. I've always had this interest in uh, plant-based diets. And when I was in fellowship, I wondered if I could combine my personal interest with my professional interest, which was kidney diseases. So I started looking into it. And I was surprised because the more I looked into it, the more I found. And I just kept going with it. And all of a sudden, I became kind of this expert on this topic that no one really wanted to talk about, but everyone wanted to hear about. So um, almost overnight, uh, uh, I, 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 I became an expert on this topic and have started, uh, started to write papers and give talks on this subject. And it's just continued from there. And a lot of our research exists, a lot of the research that we discuss uh, exists in the literature and, is, uh, and has been published and uh, people know of, but people just don't know how to apply it or what, what it means. So what we did in this most recent paper in the American Journal of Kidney Disease is kind of combine all of this into a practical guide for kidney doctors on how to implement and use plant-based diets for patients with kidney disease. And not only patients with kidney disease, but patients with kidney disease who also have comorbidities like high blood pressure, diabetes, being overweight. And how do you tie all of this together? And where's the evidence for these things? And what are the pitfalls that uh, clinicians should uh, look out for? Uh, so, so this, uh, so that, so that's how we came about uh, to this. And our paper was extremely well received. Um, uh, using the metric scores uh, for papers, uh, it was uh, um, uh, widely viewed. Um, people loved it on Twitter. Uh, so it's a very timely topic um, uh, that uh, that could uh, benefit the health of patients. What are the benefits of a plant-based diet regarding prevention or treatment of chronic kidney disease? And what are your guidelines for clinicians? Yeah, so uh, there, there are several benefits to a, a plant-based diet for uh, the prevention and treatment of uh, kidney disease. So in observational studies, so these studies that look at groups of people for a period of time, uh, they, what they found is that people who eat a plant-based diet or eat less meat or even just less red meat tend to have a lower risk of developing kidney disease. Uh, so that, so that is uh, eye-opening in itself. And when you start looking at, um, additional data, uh, the small trials that have been done, what we see is that there's a benefit to eating plant-based, uh, for people who already have kidney disease. Uh, so for example, there are many things that the kidney does, uh, the kidney uh, regulates electrolyte levels, water levels, blood pressure, 
And when you introduce plant-based diets, many of these parameters that are not normal tend to improve. So one of them is metabolic acidosis, which is the amount of acid in the blood. Uh, uh, plant-based diets have also been shown to improve blood pressure in people with kidney disease and without kidney disease. They've also been shown to lower serum phosphate levels. Uh, and also, there's also observational data uh, suggesting that people who eat plant-based diets have a lower mortality. Uh, and sometimes it's not even uh, the whole diet, just eating a few more fruits and vegetables. People who tend to eat more fruits and vegetables tend to have a significantly lower risk of dying compared to those uh, uh, who, who don't uh, on dialysis. And to, and to, to answer your, uh, your second question regarding what are the guidelines that we give uh, for clinicians, uh, what we recommend is that, so it's kind of the take-home paper is that, uh, the take-home message from the paper is that uh, clinicians may not be using uh, diet to their benefit. And actually the diet that they rec they're recommending may actually be working against them because on one hand, physicians are prescribing medications to treat things like metabolic acidosis and high phosphate levels. Uh, but they're also recommending a diet that emphasizes the consumption of a lot of animal protein, which we know worsens these parameters. So it's as if the, on one hand, we're doing one thing, but on the other hand, we're doing another thing. And in some of these cases, or many of these cases, both patients and physicians are unaware, are unaware of the problem that they're creating. So, so what we are trying to uh, educate to our readers is that they could use uh, plant-based diets that are benefit and reduce perhaps the number of medications that their patients have to take. So what we suggest is that physicians approach this in a way that uh, patients are comfortable with. So it doesn't necessarily mean that patients have to go vegan or totally plant-based, but to try and work on aspects of their health where, where patients and both, both patients and physicians feel comfortable with. And towards the end, we kind of give a guideline um, on the number of servings of foods to aim for, resources that people can use, and, um, and some foods to exclude because those foods uh, may cause problems. Are there any concerns or risks for patients who eat a plant-based diet? If so, what are they? And how should a clinician approach those issues with their patients? Yeah, so... Uh, there, there's always risks and benefits with anything we do in medicine, be it prescribe a medication or give a diet. Uh, in, in our opinion, we feel that the, the risks of a standard American diet outweigh its benefits. And it would be helpful for patients to eat a diet that's more conducive to their long-term health and their comorbidities, which, which a diet that emphasizes the consumption of foods that are high in fiber, uh, vitamins, minerals, uh, phytonutrients. So th those would be foods like whole grains, uh, beans, lentils, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, things like that. Uh, so, so, so those are the foods we would recommend. The big concern historically in consuming these foods in patients who have kidney disease is that patients, one, may not get enough protein and two, that their potassium levels will go high. And now that we're in 2021, we have the benefit of having studies that have looked at this. And the studies that have looked at people who have kidney disease eating a plant-based diet, they've shown that uh, patients are able to get enough protein 
uh, not only uh, if they have non-dialysis-based uh, non CKD, but also if they have uh, CKD that requires dialysis or ESRD. So protein is not a concern um, that should deter people from implementing these diets. Obviously, for patients who are on dialysis, their protein requirements are a little bit higher. Uh, so protein will always be uh, something to watch out for, but it's no different than any other diet in terms of getting pro. People can get protein from uh, legumes, lentils, tofu, uh, things like that. So it, that is attainable. The other concern uh, or pitfall with these diets historically has been with potassium. And uh, in potassium uh, has been a big concern because elevated potassium levels uh, can be lethal. Uh, potassium is what's used, uh, what has been used on death row. Uh, so we certainly don't want to um, uh, induce hyperkalemia or elevated potassium levels in our patients and then lead them to a fatal outcome. However, when you look at the studies, uh, there have actually uh, been very few to almost none, uh, no instances of, of hyperkalemia in patients who eat a plant-based diet. Uh, so when you, and these are studies, these are observational studies, these are interventional studies. Um, uh, these are studies that have been documented in the literature looking at people eating various components or various proportions of plant-based diets. And what they've seen is very few, if not any, instances of hyperkalemia. Uh, the only one instance that was documented was someone who already had a pre-existing condition known as a renal tubular acidosis that led to hyperkalemia uh, already. So, so, that, so that is reassuring. And in our own practice, uh, we haven't had problems with this either. But so, so then the question is, why don't people have elevated potassium levels? And that is actually an emerging concept. So there, people think that it could be related to a variety of things. Uh, it could be related to the fact that there's more fiber in these foods, which then causes an increased amount of potassium to be excreted with more frequent bowel movements as, as fiber helps, with, helps relieve constipation and things like that. Uh, the other aspect of this is that people think that the bioavailability of potassium is less uh, compared to uh, in plant foods, compared to animal-based foods, similar to how we think about the bioavailability of phosphorus. Uh, so, if less potassium is bioavailable from these foods, then more of it will be excreted when there is a bowel movement. Uh, and then there's other factors related to it, like improved insulin sensitivity, which drives potassium intracellularly, improved metabolic acidosis, which can also reduce potassium levels and things like that. Uh, so uh, potassium concern hasn't been, um, has not been as big in the literature as we've uh, uh, anecdotally uh, have told our patients. Um, but that is not to say that people should um, uh, totally let their guard down. There are certain foods to watch out for, and these are foods that kind of um, remove these mitigating factors for potassium, uh, for a rise in potassium. Uh, and kind of uh, give patients more potassium than they otherwise would consume. And these problematic foods are, and we talk about this in the paper, are fruit juices, vegetable sauces, uh, dried fruit, and your potassium additives. Uh, the potassium additives are a no-brainer because if you're giving someone potassium, it's not surprising that their potassium would go up. Potassium additives are 100% bioavailable. 
the fruit juices, vegetable sauces, and dried food take a little bit more explaining. So if uh, so, let's take a glass of orange juice. A glass of orange juice may have two to three oranges worth of OJ, but you don't really see someone eating two to three oranges in a sitting at once. So that's that's the problem. So if people eat whole fruits and vegetables, they won't generally get into trouble. It's only when they start doing uh, maneuvers to concentrate uh, the fruit juice or the extract or the potassium inherently in those foods into a higher concentration that gets into trouble. So fruit juice is one example. Vegetable sauces are another example. And then dried fruit is another example because it removes the water content and allows people to eat more fruit than they otherwise would. Um, <clears throat> uh, so those are things to watch out for. Uh, some people may do just fine with a little bit in moderation. But uh, in the beginning, I caution my patients to avoid these until we know how they adapt to the diet. And now, I'm, and of course, with any dietary change, I do check my labs more frequently and also touch, uh, get in touch with my patients more often to make sure that they're doing okay. Do your findings in your research differ among patients, men or women, different ages or other patient characteristics? Um, I, I would say no. Um, uh, the, the research that we have, uh, in this area isn't, isn't a whole lot, uh, granted our paper had, uh, nine, uh, close to 90 citations. So we had 90 papers to build off of, uh, but we have, we haven't noticed those kind of differences, uh, as of yet, but as the literature builds, we may start to tease out, uh, some more information and, and be able to identify who this benefits uh, more for and who it doesn't benefit for. Uh, so I think we're still in the pretty early stages. You mentioned a take-home message earlier, and then you mentioned some things for, you know, what's next in the research. But if you could just sum it up for us, what are your take-home messages for this study and, and what is next for this research? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, so I think we are just at the beginning of learning about uh, the benefits of this diet. So uh, we could think of this, uh, it's, it's as if uh, uh, when the Mediterranean diet came onto the scene for cardiology several decades ago, and uh, people were very excited. I feel like this is the same way for nephrology. Uh, so I think we're just at the beginning and hopefully in the coming decades, we'll get more research. Uh, the research that we need are uh, more uh, observational studies on the long-term effects of people eating uh, plant-based diets uh, on, and while having kidney disease, especially in regards to progression of their disease. Uh, there's some evidence to suggest that people who do eat, uh, for example, fruits and vegetables have a slower progression uh, of their kidney disease because it treats their metabolic acidosis compared to people who have untreated metabolic acidosis uh, and kidney disease. So we want to see some more long-term observation studies, but also uh, some nice and well-done uh, randomized controlled trials uh, that kind of uh, uh, really isolate one variable and can prove our point. Uh, so that would be, um, I would say, what the, the future holds and to help uh, kind of get the message out there that these diets could be beneficial for patients. Thank you so much, Dr. Joshi. I really appreciate your time on our podcast. I learned a lot too. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me.